listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Come on, Houston. Right here. second host Justin Barbosa and you can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95 grew up a big time Houston fan and currently a play-by-play announcer in the Houston area for Vibe Media and be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control account at Apollo HOU as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast we would greatly appreciate it and Justin what you just heard there was the sound of the University of Houston hearing that they are going to be the number two seed in the Midwest region in the NCAA tournament come either Friday or Saturday, whenever their first round game is. As of this time that we're recording this, that has yet to be announced, but they already know their opponents. They're going to be playing Cleveland State in the first round of the NCAA tournament, the second seed, University of Houston, taking on the 15th seed, Cleveland State Vikings. And... Before we get into all that, we're, first of all, we're in the middle of March Madness season, Justin. Just how excited are you after really everything that's happened the past year with coronavirus shutting everything down, uh, no much Madness tournament a season ago, not even the conference tournament a season ago, to, to have Selection Sunday and all the conference tournaments across the, the country. What, what has it been like to be at this point again? It's really exciting, especially that we were robbed last year of the tournament due to COVID, but it's just great to be back in the tournament. And Houston being this high of a seed, I mean, you really couldn't ask for anything more. And really how the bracket's looking so far, I mean, U of H could possibly, you know, get to Elite Eight, not trying to jinx it, though, but it, it's just uh, very exciting to look forward to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get right into that, Justin, in, a, in, a, in our coming segments, but don't want to jinx it there. People are going to come for your head once <laughs> once the tournament, uh, however it turns out. But really, before we even get into the NCAA stuff, let's talk about what happened on Sunday afternoon. The University of Houston defeated well, – they not only defeated Cincinnati, they – honestly, they crushed the Bearcats uh, in the American Athletic Conference championship game. They won – uh, the final score was 91 to 54. They held the Bearcats to only 28% shooting from the field. And honestly, by by halftime, Houston already had a double-digit lead. And although obviously a 14-point lead isn't anything, it, it kind of seemed like Houston was the dominant team from, from the get-go. And 
after the first basket that the Bearcats scored in the second half, Houston went on a 12-0 run and basically sealed the game. What are your, what, are your, what did you see from tonight's championship game? And Quinn Grimes just kept his momentum. He was on fire as he went eight for 12 and then five and nine for the three point line with 21 points and three rebounds. And really the big surprise uh, today was uh, Reggie Chaining get, getting the start. At- yeah, I, I think um, Reggie Chaining has started really since the, I'm not entirely sure what game it was, but it was towards the end of the regular season. Uh, it might have been, actually, I think it might have been against Cincinnati and back in February. Uh, 21st, uh, around that time, I'm not sure the exact game, but uh, since then, he started pretty much every game except the senior day against Memphis when they, they started Bryson Gresham. Um, but he's done a solid job, and in this game, he he only had one point. But honestly, he's Kelvin Simpson said that the reason he moved into the starting lineup was to have energy in, in the lineup and, and really not only to start games, but to start the second half. After halftime, he's been that kind of spark plug to, to be in there with the other veterans, essentially, with Justin Gorham, Jerome, Sasser, and, and Grimes. Um, he's certainly been one of the, uh, I wouldn't say, kind of like the dark horses for this team. He's been a, a key piece in this lineup, and really they've been on a seven-game winning streak uh, since they've kind of made that move, if it, if it was around the time, you know, the middle of February, after they had lost to Wichita State. So you, you point out Reggie Chaney, he's certainly been a key contributor for this team since. And also uh, very impressive was uh, Fabian White off the bench with eight points, six rebounds, going four or five from the field. And another great game for uh, Dejan Giroux being that uh, four general with seven assists, along with 10 points, five rebounds shooting 50% from the field and two or three from the three-point line. Absolutely. I think that their guards today, really, I think this might have been the best all-around game for this University of Houston team all season. And it couldn't have come at a better time, right? Right on the eve of, well, not, not the eve of, but right the weekend before the NCAA tournament. You had Quentin Grimes, like you said, had 21 points. Sasser is kind of broken out of that shooting slump. He, he only hit two threes in this game against against Cincinnati, but the past, really this whole tournament, something about Dickie's arena that he's not shooting those rims, but he, he's come out of that slump that he was in towards the end of the season. Like you said, Dejan Giroux did a little bit of everything today coming off the triple-double just two games ago in the opening round against Tulane. But, you know, you mentioned the guards. Memphis head coach Penny Hardaway, after that loss to, to the Cougars on Saturday, he kind of touched on three guards. He called them a three-headed monster. And really what, what this lineup is for Houston in the backcourt, the starting lineup in the backcourt, they're kind of like – the frontcourt is the identity of this team because they're going to – obviously they're always going to look to rebound the ball and kind of out-physical the other team. But when these three guards are shooting the ball and have it going offensively, Grimes and Sasser combined for 37 points tonight against – Cincinnati. Jerome added an extra 10 on top of that. When they come by for 47 points, and they're, obviously they're always going to defend, they're going to be a hard team to beat, regardless of who their opponent is, if they get those three players playing like that. Yeah, you were talking about that three-headed guard monster between Sasser, Grimes, and Jerome. All three combined for 47 points. 
And just another great game from Sasher as well, going 6 of 11 from the field and 2 of 5 from 3 with 16 points. And Jamal Mark actually had a nice game off the bench. I mean, not the best shooting wise, 413, but just the other parts of the floor he contributed with seven assists and four rebounds. Yes, Justin, you're, you're kind of hitting on all these points. I, I, see, this, I think this is where the Cougars are so dangerous because they have the, the starting lineup in terms of the backcourt is set. If they if they have it going, they're pretty much, uh, I wouldn't say un, unbeatable, but it, they'll be really close to it. I think Tremont Mark is that wild card for this team. He didn't play well at all on Saturday against Memphis. He really struggled against that full court. Uh, pressure that Tigers were doing and he, he kind of struggled a little bit in Sunday's game against Cincinnati too while you know the game it was a completely different game than it was against Memphis but he, he's kind of got a I'm not sure if it might just be the moment where you know it's the American Athletic Conference Tournament it's March it's the big lights he might um, get a little carried away when it's when it's a pressure a full court pressure and he tends to kind of try to dribble through it but I think he needs to, if he can slow down, and I think teams in this NCAA tournament, when he does get on the court, they're going to try to attack him defensively because they're going to force him into making bad decisions. I think it, why he's a wild card, it'll depend on how quickly he can pick up the pace and, and just the vibe of, of playing in March Madness and kind of start playing at a slower pace and not having to have everything go 100 miles per hour. If he can do that, I think that'll be a big plus for this University of Houston team. Yeah, and of course, with a true freshman like Mark, he's still trying to get into the rhythm on the floor and trying to find this game to really get comfortable, kind of like we saw at the beginning of the season. I know uh, once he gets more experience in this tournament, he's probably going to get a lot more confident going into the next couple of years. And also really another move I liked by Samson was Cameron Tyson getting minutes the last couple of games. Yeah, you just mentioned you, you, you. Honestly, you can list the entire uh, lineup of guards that they have on the roster because while not in every game they're gonna they're gonna they don't have guaranteed playing time, but they could all play different roles. And it honestly depends on what other teams try to throw at them in terms of defense. In the first first game, the quarterfinals of the American Athletic Conference tournament, Tulane. They threw a, a multiple zones against the Cougars, and and Samson went to Cameron Tyson, and when when Houston was struggling to kind of get a groove on offense to just to space things out, and uh, one of the lineups that he loves doing, and and on I mean, crunch time against Memphis, he used this as well as a four guard lineup. He'll go to Tremont Mark, Quentin Grimes, Sasser, Dejon, and with Justin Gorham at the at the big. Sometimes he'll he'll switch it out. He he switches out the guards too. It could be Mark. It could be Jamal Shag. He put him in against Memphis. It, like you said, it could be Cameron Tyson if he wants the floor to be spread out. But honestly, from top to bottom, this team, while their biggest strength, in a sense, is supposed to be their front court in terms of rebounding, and not even because their guards rebound as well, but their guard depth is really something. You know, I was watching the ESPN broadcast yesterday against uh, Memphis. One of the color analysts mentioned uh, when Houston gets it going on the boards and defensively, it's like a death star effect. And when the offense flows, U of H is, you know, pretty much unbeatable. Which is why he describes it as the, the death star effect. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned it. And honestly, 
like you said, uh, uh, all these teams are going to feel like they have the Death Star pointed right at them if if Houston gets it going. But I wanted to leave you with a quote that Cincinnati coach John Brennan said after after the American Athletic Conference title game, and he said, "We threw everything at them, and it wasn't enough." End quote. Um, that this was the team that won nine out of the last twelve games to end the season, and well, two of their three losses were against Houston, and they were not close games. The first meeting in at the Fertitta Center, Cincinnati lost by thirty-eight points, and then you know on Sunday, another blowout win. This is this wasn't a. It, it wasn't a cakewalk team. They were a hot team, and U of H, honestly, you know, sometimes it's just a matchup, you know. Um, we saw that on the women's side when they played Central Florida over the weekend. Oh, not over the weekend, earlier in the week in their semifinals conference tournament matchup. But something about Houston and Cincinnati, this, this season, the Bearcats just didn't match up well at all, and you could see it on the court. And, you know, the, the team's got to be really happy with this win because uh... – Last two championship appearances for the Cougars, they both fell both times to the Bearcats. And, you know, this is a really great redemption for the team, especially missing uh, the tournament last year due to COVID, just to finally get that big win over Cincinnati and hold the trophy in the end. Hold that thought, Justin, because coming right up, we're going to talk about the American Athletic Conference Tournament as a whole. We'll talk more about the matchups against Memphis and a little bit about Tulane and Right after that, on top of that, we will also talk about really the NCAA tournament at large. The Cougars are in the Midwest region. What do we think about that region? And what could be the key for the Cougars, a deep March Madness run? Coming up right up on Pod Slamajam. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And we are back for the second half of Pod Slamma Jamma presented by Apollo Houston. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Justin, jumping right straight into it, let's start with the American Athletic Conference semifinals round between Houston and Memphis. What a game that was. Uh, Houston and Memphis never seems to disappoint, regardless of what sport they play. <laughs> but that was certainly the case on Sunday. Or not not on Sunday, I'm thinking of today. That was certainly the case on Saturday when Houston and Memphis kind of went down to the wire again. And honestly, this was coming off just six days removed from last Sunday's game where – Tremont Mark beat the Tigers with that hell, hell Mary. I know it's, it's basketball, but just a couple of feet inside the half-court line uh, to beat the Tigers at the buzzer. Um, I, I, I was kind of impressed with how Houston came out in that second meeting in the semifinals game on Saturday. And they kind of looked uh, a lot more poised than they did on Sunday. They, were, uh, they played a lot more better, sharper early um and they were able to build that double digit lead going into halftime now i think in the second half if there's a concern with this team will be how they went on that scoring drop uh i I believe it was about you know they went a stretch of six or seven minutes of game time where they 
did not hit a single – they didn't score a single point. It, it wasn't that they couldn't hit a field goal and were still getting free throws. They they couldn't score at all, period. And that's what allowed the Tigers to, to make their rally and not only tie the game up, but they actually took a four-point lead uh, towards the end of the second half. And uh, after the game, Kelvin Thompson mentioned how, oh, that was a minus 16-point differential in, in you know, from halftime – coming out of the second half, uh, being up 12 to at one point trailing Memphis by four. And obviously that's a, the, the, the drought itself is a concern, but being able to handle that adversity, Kelvin said, and not only keeping it close and fighting with Memphis to the end, but pulling it out and winning, that shows potential for this team and they did what they needed to do to close out that game in terms of how they're gonna have to win a lot of these games in the NCAA tournament and that it came down to making their free throws and getting key rebounds. Yeah, we've seen uh this problem really the last season for the Cougs is when teams really start pressing the Cougs really struggle on offense and go into these droughts like we saw against this game with Memphis and Houston really got sloppy and struggled in the second half, but they were able to come back and hit big shots, especially Quentin Grimes in that last minute, give the Cougars a go-ahead lead, and the defense, you know, shut it down, made their free throws, and that's how they ended up in the championship game. I mean, just really, it's really a breath of fresh air to see the Cougars, you know, win close games because they really struggled with that last season and starting to really turn the corner going into the terminate time. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it. Uh, Quinn Grimes kind of, he had an, uh, I, I, I'm not sure exactly. I, I, it was towards the latter end of the second half where him and, and Memphis guard Boogie Ellis kind of started exchanging threes. And, you know, for the first part of the second half, both teams really couldn't score. Um, well, Memphis made that rally to tie the game. Houston was stuck at 46. And from that point forward, both teams kind of just exploded offensively and started hitting big shots after big shots. And like you mentioned, Quint Grimes was one of the key players in that Memphis game. And after the game, he told reporters, well, both he and Kelvin told reporters that, you know, Quentin wanted that moment. He, he, not only did he want it, but he, he pictured it. He, he kind of envisioned it and he, he rose up to the occasion and, that's that's what you want from your player and, and from your star player. Um, certainly on the offensive side, I think Quentin Grimes is the most, uh, I wouldn't say that he's the most important player for Houston on offense just because of how multidimensional he is and just the skill set that he has. And seeing him these past four games, because he did it the first time when they played Memphis in the regular season finale too. He had a stretch there where he had big shots. He's kind of grown into that role. And that's something that he kind of struggled with last season, most, most of the season. And you kind of, you kind of see him starting to turn the corner towards the end. He had a big game against UConn to end the 2019-20 season. He did the same against the final game in Memphis last season as well. And then everything got shut down, but this season he's kind of been a consistent player and, and to end this last couple of games, he's kind of grown into that closer as well, which is a huge thing for Houston. 
Yeah, we've seen him grow before our eyes these last two seasons. See him really take over as a leader and on the floor with the big plays he makes and the big shots. And in the game against Memphis yesterday, he had that big steal and dunk to end the half. And then the big clutch shot during the final minute of the second half. And then, of course, it's another great game today against Cincinnati. Just really, really big growth for Quentin Grimes. Yeah, and, you know, we, we just talk about the guards in the first segment. Uh, let's talk about the, the core final game. Dejan Giroux had a triple double against Tulane. He he had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. And well, first of all, he was the first University of Houston player to get have a triple double since 1990, <laughs> since 1993. I'm adding a few extra 90s since 1993. Bow outlaw, and he joined only a list of seven U of H players. Only seven. Now. A couple of them have done it multiple times. I think Hakeem Elijah was the one that did it the most. Um, but only seven players in program history have had a triple-double, and Dejan is now one of those seven. And he didn't have a great game against Memphis. Kevin Sanford said that uh, Jerome's legs were tired after Friday's game against Tulane on Saturday. But to kind of go in with that, with that guard strength, Marcus Sasser has really picked up the level that he's been playing at. Obviously, he was in a bit of a slump to end the season, but those, even the consistent player when it comes to the guards, um, the, during this tournament, he, he he was a spark early against the, the – I believe it was against Memphis when Quint Grimes and Dejan Giroux, they didn't score for the first eight minutes in the first half. And – then Quentin Grimes picked up the load in the second half. But I think we're getting to a point where this Houston team, if one isn't necessarily, doesn't have it going at that moment, and one of the three are going to pick up slack. And then eventually, one or two will will get it going. And that's when they've really been at their best, at least in the past three games. I also wanted to mention uh, the end of the Cincinnati game, we got – our victory cigars with Bruto and, <laughs> and Ryan Elvin. And as the bench yeah. went crazy, as uh, Ryan Elvin hit that final three in the final minute, which right. clinched the American title. Yeah, you mentioned it. This is a team that just loves playing with each other. And, and not only did the Bruto and, and Ryan Elvin have a big game at the end of the Cincinnati contest, but also – Kieran Powell. Kieran Powell had like a, a couple of stretches where he, I think, I'm not sure. Man, let me see if I can pull up the exact points he had, but I remember him having a couple of points where he, he went to work on Cincinnati. So and the, the the thing that kind of separates this team uh, from others is, you know, seeing all the starters and, and all the main rotation players kind of not only engaged with, with the, you know, with the Ryan Elvins and the Brutus and the, uh, here on pause of the world, but you know, I mean, they were excited. They were up. They were jumping. You, know, you mentioned when Ryan Elvin hit that three, the bench went crazy, uh, and that's just kind of how close this team is. And and that, that certainly makes a difference when it, when it comes to a tournament like this when things get hard. You're saying uh, Kieran Powell only five minutes had six points and three of yeah. three hundred percent shooting. Exactly, yeah. and he had great moments and and. 
you know, with every basket he made, the Houston bench got louder and louder. So this team is a unique team. They have confidence in each other. And, you know, that kind of reminds me of another thing Quentin said after after the Cincinnati game. He said, um, you know, they kind of help each other. They kind of help boost each other mentally. Um, I, I mentioned how Fester had a slump to end the regular season. He said that you know, the teammates, the U of H teammates were kind of, encouraging him, lifting him, lifting him up to the point where they might have been the ones that had more confidence than Marcus himself when it came to his shooting. Coming right up on Pod Slamma Jamma, presented by Apollo Houston, we're going to talk about the Midwest bracket of the NCAA tournament, how Houston will fare, and our predictions coming right up. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And we're back here for our final segment on Pods Find the Gem, presented by Apollo Houston, your home for not only Houston hoops, but really all things Houston sports. And real quickly, um, before we get into the specifics of the Midwest region and, and kind of the path that U of H are going to have to take, I have a bit of a breaking news uh, as we record this. The time and team information for the first round of the NCAA tournament match between Houston and Cleveland State has been released. The Cougars and the Vikings will play at 6.15 p.m. on Friday evening, and the game will be on True TV. True TV, and we repeat that again, it will be 6.15 p.m. on Friday on True TV. Um, so a bit of a breaking news here on Pipeline Demo, but by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be old news. Um, but just in Midwest region, we just mentioned it. We were kind of talking about it um, during the break. Um, this is a, and we hate to say anything specific because obviously we don't want to jinx it for the Cougars, but this is a pretty, out of all the, the brackets, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, out of all the potential number one seeds, you know, when you look at Baylor, you look at Gonzaga, obviously, and then of Michigan, I think this is the, the most favorable bracket <laughs> that Houston could have been, at least when it comes to the number one seed in Illinois. If you had to pick out of those four number ones, I would say that Illinois is the most favorable one. What say you? Uh, to me, the really the most favorable uh, is Gonzaga. Really? They lost game all season. They beat uh, really big opponents like Kansas and other teams. Oh, so you're saying that's that's the toughest matchup. The, that would have been the toughest number one seed. Yeah, just in terms of just how good their offense is, uh-huh. and then defensively, and then of course they got top NBA prospect uh, Jalen Suggs. Right. Okay, for a second there, I thought you said that would have been the more uh, favorable one. Um, <laughs> I, I was about to uh, question you a little bit, but yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Gonzaga's team to beat um, just from what they've shown the entire season. Going undefeated, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. It, you're, it's going to be rare when you don't... You, we saw with Houston and East Carolina, it's rare when a team doesn't have one of those games where you're just not hitting it well and the other team's on fire. And they were tested. They did have some tests, I think, in the, in their West Coast Conference Championship game against BYU was the biggest challenge, at least. Um, recently, they were down double digits at halftime, but 
ended up winning the game by 10 anyways. Like you mentioned, Jalen Suggs is certainly going to be the player that leads Gonzaga into, you know, however far they get into their NCAA tournament. But taking it back to the Midwest region, uh, you know, Illinois finished with a 23-6 and record. Uh, they beat Ohio State on Sunday to clinch their Big Ten tournament championship. Um, that's the number one seed in the Midwest region. Houston's number two, and then you have three-seeded West Virginia. So you have a potential to have a Houston-West Virginia Sweet 16 matchup. Not to get too ahead of ourselves, but um, the way the bracket looks right now, the winner of Houston-Cleveland State will play the winner of Clemson and Rutgers. And for however many games that UH makes it, whether they make it a deep run, I feel like Houston will be favored at the very minimum first three matchups. And potentially, I think that they could be favored in every game. It might be a toss-up once, once you get to the Sweet 16 and, and to the Elite Eight, but I feel like this is a favorable region. What say you? Yeah, definitely a favorable region because this is, it's actually kind of similar to 2019's tournament run. You got like uh, around the 14-15 seed for UH. And then going to the next round with Clemson and Rutgers, that's like comparable when uh, the Cougs played Ohio State back in 2019. And then you get to the Sweet 16. You're either, you know, Morsehead State upsets West Virginia. That would be a very good matchup. But I think, yeah, going to the Sweet 16, I think West Virginia would be a tough matchup. Pretty good team in the Big 12 for the last couple of years with coach Huggins, but Get it, it's really favorable. Yeah. Justin, one, one more point to add, get this Houston and Cleveland state. They're going to play their opening round game at the assembly hall in Bloomington, Indiana, same location where Kelvin Sampson was the coach at Indiana. That is a crazy <laughs> stat. Um, this it's a show world. Life life comes full circle. I'm sure Kelvin Sampson will be experiencing some deja vu when he when he gets to uh, coach on Friday. But yeah, but we can't go too much into detail right now in terms of potential matchups. We'll save that for our NTA preview show coming up on this coming Thursday. We'll release our our more in depth preview. But you know, just quickly looking at a glance, we'll look over at some of the other regions in in the NTA tournament. The South Region, Baylor. It was really dominant for most of the season. I know they had uh, a pretty big COVID-19 pause towards the end of the season. It may or may not have affected them um, just being on that roll and then suddenly stopping. That is the number one seed in the South region. Um, in that same region, Texas Tech is with them, and they are an 11 seed. They will play 11-seeded Utah State. So not to mention Texas, who – is the three seed in the not the South region. Texas is the three seed in the East region. So and North Texas is also in the South region. A lot of Texas schools um, kind of made the the NCAA tournament. Um, Texas Southern also made it in. Uh, they clinched their spot on Sunday as well. A lot of Texas schools from across a lot of schools from across Texas have made the NCAA tournament. Um, this is an interesting, just to see how much talent that the entire state has 
And obviously, I think the big teams that everyone's going to be looking at, obviously, they're Houston, Texas, Texas Tech, and Baylor. Out of the four teams, Baylor is the highest seeded. Uh, where do you think U of H ranks out of those four? I would have to, I would have to put them at second behind Baylor because Baylor's looked pretty dominant all season. Of course, you know, lost those couple games down the stretch, the final games of the season, and then this past game against Oklahoma State. But I gotta put U uh, UH just behind Baylor, and then probably in third, I put Texas Tech, and then Texas right behind them. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think what Baylor did for most of the season, um, and they did it with their defense, I think uh, they're right up there with Houston in terms of defense. Uh, it's just really how they can suffocate teams. Um, I think it'd be interesting. So Baylor and Houston would meet, and this is me getting way ahead of myself, but Baylor and Houston could meet in the Final Four if both teams can guide their way through there. Um, real quickly, a couple of more points to touch on, but uh, in order for U of H to make that deep run, which player do you consider the X factor for the Cougars? That's a tough one. That's that's a really tough one. I know we expect a lot from Quentin Grimes, Marcus Sasser, but I think that the X factor is always going to be Dejan Giroux mm-hmm. as the four general, the scrappy defender, and just the ball hawker. Yeah, that's a that's a perfect pick. Uh, you know, two-day head coach Ron Hunter said after they lost to U of H, um, if Dejan Giroux can play like that for the University of Houston and keep it going, uh, they're like I mentioned earlier, they're pretty much gonna that they're gonna be as close to unbeatable as Gonzaga could be, as Baylor could be, as any one of these other teams could be. Um, that's a perfect candidate to choose for the X factor. Um, I think Quentin Grimes, obviously, what he's done. Uh, I'm going to go a little a little outside. I'm going to go with Tremont Mark. Um, I think if he and if he can get it going and kind of slow down, not go at 100 miles per hour, like I said earlier in the show, um, it'll be a pretty big factor uh, for U of H and I think in terms of how quickly he adjusts and how quickly he limits the turnovers, if he's not, like I said, going, playing at a high speed, um, it could just add another weapon to this University of Houston uh, offense. Because I think Quentin Grimes, Dejan Giroux, uh, it's faster if he can keep shooting like how he did in this conference tournament. Um, they're kind of, they're, they're kind of going to be the guys that are, you know, you kind of know what you're going to get with them. Uh, Justin Gorham and, and Fabian White, Reggie Chaney and Gresham, they're always going to, they're going to be physical. They're going to be that presence. They're going to go and get the rebounds. So they can get Tremont Mark going. I think that's just another weapon. Yeah, Mark's definitely a big sleeper. And like you said, he's been going 100 miles an hour. I think once he you know starts letting the game come to him and, you know, start getting open looks and, slow it down, get his shot going. He's really going to be a big factor. And we already saw we did uh, last game, you know, on the floor, he had seven assists and a couple rebounds. You know, once he gets that shot going, it's really going to be a big help and basically going to give you another big third or fourth score. I completely agree. And, but, and don't get me wrong, 
Uh, I think that Jamal Mark would be a great X factor in terms of just how dominant Houston could be, at least in, in the opening rounds. But this team is going to go as far as Quentin Grimes, Dejan Giroux, and Marcus Sasser taking. I think in order for them to make a deep run, I think you're going to have at least two out of three players having an on game. Uh, at the very least, if, if the farther they go, I believe they're going to need at least two of the three to have it going in, in each game, if that makes sense. I agree. And uh, also, if you can get Gresham and Fabian White going at the front court, that's also also another plus. Yeah. Um, when I did, I did a story on Fabian White's ACL injury, I believe it was like, it might have been two, three weeks ago, but um, for that story, I interviewed Kellen Sampson, and he kind of talks about how, honestly, just by Fabian White making that comeback, uh, I'm not sure. He, he's probably played six or seven games at this point since returning from his ACL injury. Um, honestly, just him being in presence on the court, it's, it's been a boost for U of H. Um, when him and Justin Gorman on the court, they, against Tulane, there was a stretch where they were, it, it seemed like they were just getting every rebound. Um, and just how physical they are. I, like you said, I think they're going to be a key piece, but the difference between them and the guards, in my opinion, is you, you kind of know what you're getting from Fabian and Justin and Bryson. They're always going to be physical and Reggie Cheney as well. Going to be physical. They're not there to score. They're there to try to get every ball, every rebound if possible. So in order for this team, they know you know you can they, the Cougars can defend. They can rebound. In order for them to go far, their offense needs to be clicking like it did against Cincinnati. Yeah, like I said earlier, with that Death Star Death Star effect, you know, get the defense going and just you know make your shots. Cougars are the beat. Absolutely, Justin and. That's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your, your podcast. Not only has Pot Simon Jamma kind of come under this Apollo Houston umbrella, but, you know, also the Launch Pod podcast has joined us from Clutch City Control Room, and they're making switch. Obviously, the Houston Rockets are, are not the hottest team right now, to say put it mildly. They're obviously on their big losing streak, but um, there's still a lot to talk about when, when it comes to their young assets. I think I believe Christian Wood is going to come back soon, and you know Kevin Porter Jr. has Houston Rocket fans buzzing. Um, make sure to check out that podcast out, and you know our new branch and all of Houston has a lot of great content, including the Road to Omaha podcast. Be sure to check that one out, and. Justin, I'll, I'll toss it over to you for a sign-off. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdown, analysts, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please just consider clicking the link in the description below. Check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. Please, please. This is the time of the year where it is madness. We, it, it just feels so good to it, – it's kind of interesting. And sorry to, to kind of drag this off, Justin, but – I was kind of thinking this before we did this podcast. This month has kind of flown by. I don't know if it's just for me. Or you could you could comment on how your month has gone, but I just feel like this month is flying by. Compare that to last year, I felt like March just kind of seemed to drag on. What say you? 
Yeah, definitely for sure. Because last year, you know, with the start of the pandemic, it seemed like everything just slowed down. You know, sports were gone. And this is great to have March Madness back. And also, as you said, the other Apollo podcast, you got Rockets content going on right now. And also, if you're into Cougar baseball, Road to Omaha is a perfect podcast with Des and Stoney. They've been doing a great job with that, really bringing on the light to college baseball, which I believe doesn't really get much recognition from the media. I mean, just really great content Apollo's pouring out right now with Apollo Hour, of course, Pot Slamma Jamma, the launch pad, and the uh, road to Omaha. I mean, just it's really exciting. Yeah, for sure. And they have, I know they have a, they're planning to have a couple of more podcasts with, with an Astro Center podcast and heck, even maybe a Texans podcast coming soon. So you might hear and listen to one of our voices in one of those podcasts. I know the Texans are certainly the busiest, uh, not the busiest teams, they're certainly the most controversial team on all the Houston teams right now, in my opinion. But like I said before, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you tuned in throughout the entire episode, we greatly appreciate it. For those just joining us, we hope you stay along for the ride. We're going to have a lot of March Madness content for as long as the University of Houston makes their run. And honestly, stay with us after the season. We're going to have a lot of great content to discuss. There's going to be player movements, who stays, who declares the draft, um, all of us. We'll be covered here on Pod Slam Jamma. Thank you once again. We appreciate your support. As always, this has been Pod Slam Jamma covering your University of Houston Cougars.